Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Marjorie, we're kind of doing our our old-timey gig here (laughs) where we would take like big pop culture and celebrity news and then use it as a jumping off point to have a bigger discussion about how we as humans live. And today the theme is gray divorce, as in... You are old enough to have gray hair, which I I don't know. I mean, I'm 40. I have some gray hairs. I'm not quite 40. I should just be careful to say that because I have a few more months of not And, and being let's 40. be clear. My hairdresser has only found one gray hair on me. Yeah, great. So, Way to go. I mean, no, I'm very proud there of that. There you go. I have I nothing like to do it. with it, but I'm very proud of it. <laughs> but it's that idea of being older and being a long time into a marriage and uh, really having your kids be pretty much gone, grown and gone, and then you decide to split up. And the example, of course, that we're talking about today is Bill and Melinda Gates, who announced that they are divorcing and they were married for 27 years. They have the largest private foundation in the world. It's worth almost $50 billion. And then aside from that, they have a combined wealth of about $140 billion dollars. They have three hmm. kids, the youngest of which is 18. And then I think their other kids are like 21 and 21, 22, something like that. And there are lots of stories swirling about them. Yeah. Yeah. In particular that Bill is the bad guy that well, Melinda and the kids are on one side and that he's on the other. It's, um, of course I had to do the deep dive. So where do you go first? But the New York Post. The New York Post is reporting that Bill was on the golf course with his friends telling them that his love or that his life with Melinda Gates and his marriage with Melinda Gates was a loveless marriage. So that's from the New York Post. So then I go to the Wall Street Journal and the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Melinda actually started – moving toward divorce two years ago in 2019 Mm -hmm. when the New York Times was reporting that Bill Gates had spent some time with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, she had known about that because apparently they had all gotten together in 2013 to discuss philanthropy. And it was reported, I think, by the Daily Beast that at the time, Melinda's like, I don't get a good feeling from this guy. I don't want anything to do with him. Well, Let's- yeah, and he'd already had all sorts of allegations. I mean, you know, oh, it was by knowledge by then. A conviction. Yeah. He'd already yeah. been convicted by 2013, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so she's like, I don't want anything to do with this. Well, apparently Bill Gates, it was that New York Times piece in 2019 when all of that stuff was coming out and they were naming all the men that had been circling around Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Gates was one of them. Yeah. And so she started the divorce proceedings then, or at least the talk with attorneys then. 
But this is really – the Jeffrey Epstein stuff is really disturbing to me. And Melinda Gates, one of the things that I chime with her on, went to Catholic schools her whole life, taught by nuns, really positive experience. She has been a global advocate for girls and women. And this just – the idea of being able to reconcile that your husband is hanging around a guy like Jeffrey Epstein – I'm not accusing Gates of anything, but obviously it was en- it was disturbing enough that if the timeline is accurate, that may have been why the divorce was instigated. But we'll never know all of the reasons. We'll never no. know. It's none of no. really none of our business. No, it's not. But it is our business here at Best to the Nest to take a look at families and how they work. And for us, I think the priority is to try to maintain a family unit, right? I mean, as much as you can. And in, I know that's what I'm shooting for with my marriage. Like I would like it to continue. And, um, and that idea of parents getting divorced when your kids are older, how that still impacts the kids. And then also, what what kind of little things because a divorce in some circumstances i guess it's like one big thing but in a lot of circumstances it's like a little thing that just adds up and adds up and well, adds up until the point when you somebody says they're out i think that i am the product of a divorced parents my right. parents divorced when i was i think 23 so it's sort of the classic gray divorce scenario and mm-hmm. it, their marriage was very complicated and I will not be getting into it at this time on Best of the Nest. <laughs> but it was very complicated and as I look at it from afar and I, I would say this to my mother, they were both culpable. They were yeah. absolutely both culpable in the demise of their marriage. And the sad thing about it is they had at one point, and I can remember it when I was little, they had a really fun, funny great marriage. And, you know, my mom was working a ton and my dad couldn't have been prouder of her. And if you think of that in the 1970s, she would come home from a business trip in New York and there'd be Oreos and roses on the table. I can remember that. That's sweet. He was so proud of her and he would brag about her. And if you think of that generation and that generation of men for him to be so supportive of her career, so proud of her when she started making more money than he did. There's a lot about that that was really good modeling for us as kids. The sadness of it is to have watched them get divorced, and I think this is what we were going to talk about a little bit, is how do you preserve your marriage and the essential part, and even Bill and Belinda Gates. Bill and Melinda Gates said this. <laughs> you turned him into Benefer. I did, Galinda. <laughs> it's Galinda. <laughs> um, they talked about growing apart, that they don't see a path where they are on the same path anymore. And certainly that was my parents' situation. My father wanted to live in Mexico. My mother did not. My father was fluent in Spanish. My mother was not. I mean, this was not... My father seemed okay with being very far away from his daughters and his grandchildren. My mother was not. So it was a pretty clear break in what they were wanting for the last part of their lives. That's so interesting that you say that, though. That, I think, is so interesting, Marjorie, what you want for the last part of your life. And I can understand that idea of going, okay, our kids are grown and raised. I only have, I look at life and go, how much time do I have left? As you start to look at like the last half or the yep. last third of your life, really. Yeah, it's last third. It's probably when you get to that point. Yeah. And then you go, 
do I want to do this anymore? And I, I have a feeling that a lot of people ask themselves that question, even if they end up staying together, that I would say probably more people than would admit have asked themselves, do I want to do this anymore for the last part of our life? Because there is certainly an element in a lot of marriages. And I, I mean, I would even say in my marriage where you can kind of joke with your girlfriends of like, we're married and we have kids and we have a house together. I mean, are there days where if we didn't have those things, would you be like, well, this would be, you know, like right. we're in a fight. This right. is a bummer. Right. You know, those things tether you to another person. Those commitments and the way that you have your life together certainly helps you get through difficult parts because you think unwinding all of that is a lot. Well, it's, and it has so many ramifications. But when you start to get to a point where you don't necessarily have those things tethering you to that person anymore, I get I get how people ask that question. Well, I was reading something on CNN and it talked about how the divorce rate for the 50 plus set has doubled, has gone up 50 percent since the 1990s. Wow. And I think that's only going to continue because, OK, I'm I'm I can't remember if I'm 56 or 57, <laughs> but I'm one of those. <laughs> What are you going to do about that? Uh, you should do the math. I, just, I really don't care. I mean, I know what year <laughs> I was born, but I don't care anymore because it doesn't matter. It I'm doesn't. old and that's <laughs> fine. I've waited my whole life to be old. But what yeah, people, I mean, if, if you're not getting older, then you're dead. I yeah, always say so that. It's fine. But the so I'm really not paying that much attention to it. And I could do the quick math problem, but I'm not going to. I know that <laughs> I'm on the other half of 50. But what's really interesting to me, and, you know, when you're younger, you look at people, and we all do this, when you're in a when you're in a, a work situation or you're at church or whatever, and you see older people, and you don't really understand that in their minds, they're still 30. Exactly. And so, and that's... Like, they look in the mirror and they're surprised. Well, yeah. surprised, because your mind, yeah. if you're blessed enough not to have early onset dementia, you are the same. And so I think what happens is when you look at this idea of, do I really want to do this for the next 20 years? Hell no. (laughs) I mean, and that's, and I think what, what contributes to that is women being self-sufficient. If you've tended to your 401k and you've had a good career and you're, you are independent and all of those other ties, you've sold your house, your kids are out of college, and your husband isn't particularly nice to you, or he right. doesn't appreciate you, or he... Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of marriages at this age where the sort of the tropes of their life are their story now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the things that the husband might have picked on the wife about, they're bigger, and they're sort of... And they're incessant. And, and that is, for me, I mean, I would be gone so fast. Yeah. Either you make me feel better or you don't. And I make you feel better or you don't. Because other than that, I got life. I mean, I I can do this. I think that's such a good point. And especially as you look at people, like I think about people my parents' age and and I and almost a little bit of like the bait and switch that happened in those relationships because the expectation for so many, and I'm talking about heterosexual marriages, the right. expectation for so many people who were married in like the 60s, 70s, even early 80s 
was was still those very traditional family roles, right? right? I mean, right. the man goes out and works and the woman and the woman stays home. And that was certainly what my parents went into their marriage expecting. That's what they thought was going to be the case. That's mind-blowing to me. And it completely turned on its head, right? Right. And it completely turned on its head for a a multitude of reasons. I mean, the first reason was, I mean, my dad was a Lutheran minister. And my mom was like, if we want to have a life, we need a dual-income family. Like, we can't. We're not going to be able to do this. And so she went to work. I was just talking to her the other day about how she... Would she had like little tiny? I think I was five, my sister was two, and then a baby. And she would be home with us all day, and then she would go to work at a grocery store from five to ten p.m. Oh god! That and is then a she long extended day. that until like three a.m. She would work overnights when she had. And there are a lot of families that have to do this. Yeah. That like, I mean, I have I have a friend whose sister is a nurse, and she's home with the kids all day, and then she works overnights as a nurse. It's like. So shocking that you aren't in a total puddle of tears all the time. I mean, that is so difficult. Just even imagine. I think we both can imagine the fatigue of that. Oh, just so exhausting. That being said, though, I mean, you went into a relationship expecting one thing. And particularly, I think, for men who went into a marriage expecting one thing and then as it evolved – really didn't see that thing that they expected and that they grew up with. That isn't, that's just not happening in my relationship because I'm almost 40. I saw my mom working the whole time. I saw that dual income, that negotiation, that back and forth. And that's exactly what's happening in my marriage now. That's not something my parents saw in their homes growing up, but that is what it ended up being. See what I'm saying? So it's like, I do. I do. So and it's, it's so it's, different. It's one of the things that made me when I when I untangle my complicated relationship with my father, one of the things that I always that goes in the good column yeah. is imagine he had no inkling of what my mother would be. And she was not like most of the other women of her yeah. time. And mm-hmm. he accepted it and loved it. And that in that short in that short burst of their life was a was a an ideal example of them growing together he delighted in her and and i think that that's you know as a woman she was very grateful for that it gets complicated after that it, i'm not going to make it all rosy but i think the point is is like that's when you look at your marriages in chapters as as i do it is that growth piece that you, I mean, imagine if your father hadn't allowed your mother to grow. Yeah. And the same goes for women with men. If you don't allow them to grow, that is either the beginning of the end of a marriage or the beginning of a long partnership that isn't going to be filled with joy. I mean, I will never forget, Elizabeth, we were talking, Ian and I were talking about this on the morning show many years ago. We, you know, we used some, some example of what was going on with some celebrity couple or we had a therapist on, I can't remember, but we were talking about how women tend to infantilize men within a marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we were talking about why men leave in their 50s, why they leave their wives. Yeah, and, and then we they had find a, a cliche woman, like 20, 30 something. Right? right. We had a woman call up who said, I have to infantilize him because if I don't tell him what to do, he doesn't do what I want him to do. And she said, I I have to keep the house clean. I have to make sure everything's in order. He has a step with his name on it. That's where his stuff goes. And he needs to put it away. A step along oh. with the children, each having their own step. 
gosh. Okay, let's see. Hmm. As he goes into the bedroom, do you think he's feeling really sexy? <laughs> I know. It's it's true. I mean, there there are those little it's like that role and if you if you just keep putting somebody in that spot and spot and spot and not letting them grow and not appreciating them and not moving forward with them, at some point it's like I got to go. Yeah. I I just don't want to do this anymore. It's it's interesting because I I started with this new therapist this week, Marjorie. Yes. It was, I had a really good appointment with her and oh, I'm feeling good. very good and very wonderful about our future. And, um, <laughs> the future with your therapist. With my therapist. And I came to She'll allow you I to grow. A, she will. <laughs> I did a virtual appointment with her and, um, I came downstairs and Jay said, well, why are you crying? And I said, well, I had a counseling session with my new counselor. I, oh, you've, I said, yes. you've been with me in counseling. You know what I do there. And he yes. was like, and he goes, oh, well, is it okay? You know, he was just like, right. well, is it okay? Is it like too much? Right. Is it whatever? And I was like, no, it's going to be good. Like, this is good. This is what I need. We need, we need to get some more help like around our home to kind of take the pressure off right. so that we can enjoy things more. Anyway, we're working on this process. And, um, and then like an hour later, he was leaving, you know, cause we pass by each other as we're working from home and doing our stuff. Right, and right, right. He said, um, I'm really, glad that you're working on yourself. Like not in like a, you need to work on yourself right. kind of a thing, but just like, I'm glad that you're doing this. Yeah. And it was like a reminder to me of that is something that I value so much about him, that he wants to see me grow, that right. he like supports that, that he's going, yes. You know, and I realize that's, I mean, that's not everybody. And, you know, it's using time and resources and whatever to talk to this counselor. And he values that as being something important. And I think, though, that was kind of just like a light bulb moment is that we were then having this discussion that valuing the growth of the other person, even if you aren't always growing in the totally the same direction, I think it's kind of ridiculous to assume that everyone's going to grow in the same direction, Marjorie, don't you? You won't. I you mean, can't. It, or me, I mean, I can't speak for every couple, but I can't imagine how that's possible. Right. How that's like, how are you going to be moving always in the same direction? That being said, that feels overwhelming. But just the idea of appreciating, valuing, encouraging the growth in your partner, right. no matter what direction that right. is, that to me is just like, that's that beautiful basis. Well, you know, and we've been married for 35 years. I know. It's 35 so years. And and every year has been perfect and blissful and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and the chapters of our lives are, are, are crazy pressure-filled chapters with a lot of laughter in that. But like to me, he has always been really good at letting me grow. I mean, yeah. that was really clear that if I was determined to do something, I, I always had – and it wasn't always easy. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, you go live by yourself for a year and I'll be over here. It was really hard on him yeah. the times when we've been apart. But at the same time, he also appreciates who I am and the things that I want to express and the things that I want to do. And I am not a fun person to be around if I'm bored. <laughs> I need to be challenged. I need to be doing. And You're like a German short hair pointer. You get destructive. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's my spirit animal along with the squirrel. Yes. But but on his side, 
I mean, he came to me at one point, and I've talked about this on the podcast. We had two young children, and he's super busy. I'm super busy. And he said, I feel the call to go to seminary. And it's like, wait, what? I know. And then he puts you in a tough spot because what are you going to do? Argue with God? I mean, best of luck to you. Criminy Pete. That's a really great, actually a wonderful strategy to get whatever you want. I'm feeling the call. I know. I know. Who's going to win that one? So, (laughs) but in terms of growth, it's like that was so clear that he needed to do it, but that's family resources. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, we went and paid for that. It's time. I mean, it was incredible time. To his credit, he continued to work full time while he was doing it. So that was good. But I did say to him, and I, I think this is growth too, is where you have to, and I think this is where it's tough for some women, is you have to have your lane and your boundaries. And I said to him, you've been called to the seminary and you've been called to serve the church. I have not. Yeah. So I cannot be a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. That is not, that's not my role. It's not how I see who I am. I barely believe in organized religion. I'm not going to be an asset to you, but you have to express yourself. But, but if you, the only reason I bring that up again is that could have been a breaking point for a lot of marriages. Yeah. And I think you and Jay and other people listening all through your long marriages, you're going to find those pivot points where it's either going to make it or break it. And and when I say break, it doesn't always mean divorce. As you get older, Elizabeth, and you're around more married couples, you will see the broken marriages where the people have not divorced. They're just still in it. They're, They're just, just still like in it. Hanging on it for but title and for but whatever. It's broken. And and that's I have no judgment on that whatsoever because I think everybody makes their own choices in that. And if if you can survive living in sort of that kind of space. Yeah, that's private, and that's you get to do that. I know for myself, I could not. If, well, it's hard because then you're just not enjoying your life. I mean, if that's it's or you, I want to enjoy. I I don't need to be happy all the time, right? But I want to have like things that are that bring me joy and that fulfill me. I, I it would be difficult to wake up every day and be like, I hate this person, and well, but, there you are, and well, I just like walk past you. What happens is you just lead separate lives. Yeah. And I think Ian was always really sensitive when we were living in different places to be really, when people would ask about it, they're like, no, no, we love each other. We love each other. <laughs> because you'll see so many couples that have completely separate lives and that's their solution to not divorcing. Yeah. Is they, they yeah. find their happiness, they keep the marital bond, but they're not to get, they're not together. So. Yeah. You know, and I've been thinking, this leads me to my next thing, which I think I need to take up golf and um, I'm feeling very conflicted about it and like I don't want to do it, but it's because Jay loves golf. Yeah. And Jay said to me, what are we going to do together when we're old? <laughs> and I said, we're going to go to restaurants like we always do. Like what else are we going to do? We're going to go to restaurants. Need, we love you need restaurants. More, it's going to be great. You need more. And he- and he keeps wanting me to golf and he's like, I want, then we can go on golf things. And I, I have like a little bit of golf resentment in yeah. my yeah. life because golf like takes Jay away and, hours and hours I have and to hours. like arrange my life around freaking golf and it just right. makes me want to like throw the golf clubs out. That being said, I do think at some point I'm going to have to take the plunge in terms of just like being interested in something he's interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I I'm think- going to make him pay for all of it, though, and get me cute golf clothes. That's <laughs> what's going to happen, because I'm sure as heck not doing this on my dime. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> well, 
I I think that's good. I think that's a good solution. And I think that's something that everybody has to sort of look at in the same way. And then what what is Jay is Jay gonna garden with you? Is Jay gonna He builds my raised beds every <gasps> time I ask. Yeah, I see, mean you gotta he, golf. Yeah. You gotta he golf. built me a chicken coop. Like yeah. no. my hobbies He's already he all supports. In. That being said, my hobbies don't really infringe on the family's like time right. that much. But he's kind of all in on your hobbies. Yeah, yeah. Those so gotta, are those yeah, are good. It's tricky. I have to tell you though, so I mean what we're talking about is how do you grow together? And Bill and Melinda Gates are an interesting example because you think with all that money you couldn't find a way to have fun together. I, mean, I know really. it's but, so true. It's an it's an example though. Money doesn't make everything better. It doesn't it make makes everything more better. money, more problems. And I think well, so. When I was looking at the CNN piece, I thought you'd find this interesting. So it's written by a therapist, and I will I will give you the the paragraph title, and you tell me whether you want me to read it or not. Okay. Okay. Why men and women leave? Does that interest oh, you? Yeah, I want to know. Okay. So this is, I found this fascinating. The therapist wrote, I find that men are more likely to end a marriage in middle age to either pursue another relationship or engage more fully in a relationship they are involved in already. Elizabeth, in Mm. every marriage that I have seen dissolve where the man initiated it, it was because he wanted another relationship or he was already in one. Oh, gosh. That smacks of the midlife crisis stereotype. Men chasing youth by feeling desired, often by younger women. Some men I've worked with also say they have fallen out of love and they want to afford themselves the opportunity to find love again before time runs out. And I am telling you, when we talk about growing together, you have to talk about sex. Yeah. I mean, as much as people want to talk about why marriages end... If you allow your marriage to become sort a roommate of situation, a roommate right? situation where he's got his chore list, you've got your chore list, everything, and you're just sort of passing by each other without a loving glance or a loving touch. Yeah. And I used to a say- little, A little pat on the behind goes a long way. <laughs> we should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> But I, I said to Ian once in one of our many on-air discussions about marriage, I said, what is wrong with men that they are interested in younger women? Like, I find that so repulsive. <laughs> and if you've been with a woman for 20 years, that your head could be turned by somebody who was in her you know, late 20s or 30s when your wife is in her 40s or 50s. And Ian said, it's uncomplicated. Yeah. It's uncomplicated. And I think that's not true. I think it gets complicated fast. I, I think the minute you're in a relationship with somebody else, especially like if you're going to start a second family, it's going to yeah. get complicated again. But I think in a sense, when he talks about uncomplicated, I think it's just more of an emotional, especially to restart a relationship, you get to bypass a lot of history. And you get right to the part where you can be adoring each other again. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before, but I think men crave that. Yes, they do. I don't crave being adored. Not at all. I don't either. I don't either. I don't. But I think you're totally right. And there are times like I, I it goes a long way, in at least in my marriage, for me to just acknowledge like I'm proud of you and right. I value what you do for us and... And those types of things. And even like 
I don't know. Like when I laugh at something that Jay says, you know, he really lights up. And right. I do often because he's quite funny, even when he doesn't intend to be. I find him to be quite entertaining. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? But I think that's true. And that's a, you know, that's a generalization, but that's what I've seen in a lot of relationships. And I see it on this end of, because most of my friends are still married. And it, I can still see it when their wives are nice to them or praise mm-hmm. them or, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm making it sound like they're children and I don't mean it that way at all. I just think there's a difference in the way men, obviously men and women are wired. And so when we look at why do men leave, well, they leave because they would like to be liked adored, and adored for the last 20 years of their life. Right. Like who doesn't, like, I understand that. Right. And then on the flip side though, I think if you have men that are really crabby and grumpy and and just like in a situation where the wife is taking care of him, mm-hmm. I think women leave when they're just like, I don't want to spend the last 20 years of my life taking care of somebody who's a crab. Right. Well, then and, let's, well, let's go to what the therapist said about women. Oh, oh gosh. Am I there? I already jumped ahead. Tell women me. Women who initiate breakups, on the other hand, are often looking to change their lives. Mm-hmm. You just nailed it. Yeah, That's exactly right. Many have described to me that they still feel quite young in their 50s and 60s and that their husbands seem older and less energetic. Yes. They tend to be the spouses seeking new careers, new adventures, and new opportunities. They may start a business or get in shape or move into another move to another part of the world. For the divorcing middle-aged women I've worked with, the reasons seem to be more exper- experiential. Some of them are not even picturing future relationships. For men, on the other hand, the reasons given tend to be based on what they feel is missing in their marriage, which they feel they can discover in another relationship. I think that's so true. But for women, it's what they feel is missing from their life, mm -hmm. which they can experience without a relationship. How fascinating. Isn't it? And I, I am telling you, if I left this marriage, which I'm not, I adore my husband, but if I left this marriage... I would not get into another relationship. 100%. I'm right there with you. Unless it were like accidental, like it were a movie and it was like so- And it was like you live in a duplex, like you wouldn't actually live with that person. (laughs) And there would be nothing legal about it. Um, So that's all of that. There's that. But, But I just, I just, yeah. So I think that that, I think- all of that, both of those reasons for leaving for men and for women ring true to me in what I've seen in life with my I know. So And the then then you got Bill and Melinda and there's no discussion over money because there's just so much of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just it but in the end I will say this about all of it that I mean, let's set aside abuse, physical, emotional Exactly. All of that. So all of yeah. that aside. And that, I mean, that's a, that's a different, that's an animal of we're out. Right. And that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're just talking about paths diverging. I will say, having been married for 35 years, it has been so worth the effort and the compromises to have somebody know me and love me so deeply for so long. And I think that that's, that's, if you're in a relationship that can be repaired, it's so worth therapy. It's so worth all of that work. Because I know with my mom, she often said, growing old alone was not yeah. fun. Yeah. And and I think that's, 
again, I'm not saying stay with somebody just so that you can grow old together, but instead work so hard to preserve the joy and the friendship and the respect and the adoration all at work to take care of each other. And it's so worth it. It's so worth yeah. it. It's even might be worth taking up golf. Maybe it'll be even <laughs> worth taking up golf. I think so. <laughs> I think that's what we've learned. Oh, golf is I the answer. It. Golf is the answer. On that note, if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Okay, so we have a review. This one's a tricky one, Elizabeth. This is from Charlie Bell's mom. Okay. And this is about episode 217. And she said, thank you, Elizabeth. She said, I listen often. I usually enjoy the two generations working together. Now, as I'm reading this myself, when she said, I usually enjoy, I'm like, (laughs) oh, here it comes. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But she said, I usually enjoy the two generations working together. For this episode specifically, I have to say that Elizabeth is speaking from a very real, current, and scary perspective. I felt like Marjorie was more worried about how women should speak and not enough about the fact that we are still needing to speak out and loudly for our very basic human rights. As a 50-something mom of two 20-something girls, we have to stay strong and speak up, no more sugarcoating it. The episode she's referring to is episode 217, and it was the one where we were talking about the Sarah Everett killing. Yeah. And then we also, in that one, talked about how all career advice for women is a form of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. So you were talking about how what men should do to make women feel safe. My only point in that, and I won't go too deeply back into it because I stand by it. So to Charlie Bell's mom, great post. I I actually love a post that brings up an issue. Oh, yeah, because that's the point of our discussions. Yeah, hopefully it's not to get you thinking and have more discussion. Yeah. Although I also love the the post where people say, I love you guys. Love those too. Those are wonderful. Please send those. Please send those. We like those sometimes more than these, but these are just (laughs) fine. My point was in that when we were talking is we have to be really, really careful about how we group men together and how we talk about men in generalities. Not that you were doing that, but I feel really strongly that we cannot demonize men as a whole. There are you know, so Marjorie, many good men out there that if we want if we want equality, if we wanted to be treated with equality and respect as a gender, we have to model that behavior back at men. So that's my point. It's not softening the language, but it's making sure that our language is fair and equitable and respectful of that I'm, gender. I'm listening to that book. I mentioned it um, in a previous podcast, To Raise a Boy Oh, good. Um, by Emma Brown. And I'm about, oh gosh, I'm almost halfway done listening to it. And I really think that that book, this book is really putting into words um, what is helpful for me, which is... The idea that as a woman, you can be enraged about how things are, right? but at the same time, in order to have change, we have to reach our boys. And this book is giving such a beautiful kind of outline of how to have those conversations and what conversations we need to be having and the trauma that a lot of boys are going through that has not been talked about. And, um, and then how that impacts them later on in terms of anger and violence and compartmentalizing and their views on women. It's really fascinating. So I think we'll have more conversations on that to come. Yeah. But I, I, I think she brings up an important point, but I think my 
my feeling about that doesn't change. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Kristen here, reminding you not to do things. What I mean is, with same-day delivery for everything from gifts to groceries, you only have to do the things you want to do. To not do the other things, visit shipped.com. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com.